Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me as always is co-host Kevin Miller. Hey, John. How you doing today, Kev? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much for asking. I'm excited for our podcast today. Uh, Tom Lochtefeld, who is basically the godfather of wave machines, uh, has a wave pool coming up soon in Palm Springs. They made a smaller version of it at first. Uh, some of you may have seen some footage from that six caisson wave pool they're blowing it out to 12 now so they're in the process of making it bigger and uh wow the footage looks good yeah it really does um there was some great footage of i think it was like mason ho and shane dorian and his kid jackson and um yeah man if it's anything like that um it's gonna be phenomenal and uh and hats off to tom for you know taking what we all did as junior hires and you know drawing perfect waves on a notebook and and going out and making them yeah it's probably just as simple as that too you know it's probably not that complicated yeah no and probably doesn't require any money at all like extra hundred bucks make a wave pool <laughs> well as you'll find out in this quick uh podcast of 45 minutes or so enjoy the listen you'll uh, you'll get some great details on the status of you know wave pools and you know and for the next 10 years what the outlook is yeah, yeah, we're uh, super stoked to talk to Tom, and uh, yeah, grab a cup of coffee or a cocktail and enjoy a chat with Wavemaker Tom Lochtefeld. Tom Lochtefeld to the podcast, and 
and appreciate you coming on Surf Stories to chat with us today. Oh, you're welcome. So John and I have uh, been talking with Jamie Meiselman, who you know well. We've uh, recorded a podcast with him, and uh, we did a little uh, surf park uh, review of the Orlando uh, drama that went down. It's close to us. And so we... uh, (laughs) I was actually one of the, uh, you know, participants in that investment group and brought people along. And one of the interesting things that Jamie uh, sort of, you know, took away from that was that these folks over in the Netherlands, I think, had started developing software near the tail end of that project to help that, you know, that organization eventually become, um, you know, able to make good surf parks. Did you end up ever working with those folks in Europe when it comes to your migration from flow riders to wave parks? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, let's say with Jamie, you know, I went back because Jamie went, I was doing Wave House at the time and uh, Jamie, you know, invited me in. But um, I met up with, there was Ken Ellis, you know, his dad and, uh, um, uh, there was a gentleman that you know over in Europe who, you know, at the time he's he's probably the best uh, engineer doing wave pools because he did all the pools for Aquatic Development Group. Sure, which is they were the group that built that. The problem is, <clears throat> you know, I think as Jamie explained, it was it was being commandeered by uh, you know the professor out of New Zealand, Carrie Black, right? Really yeah. Big God. So that's where things kind of went awry. But you're anyway, right. I, I can distinctly remember going back there and looking looking down at what they were doing with the stainless on the on their wave, but let's call it their movable bathymetry that they you know had programmed in. Yeah. I knew that I was gonna fail the first wave when I saw that thing. I said these guys don't know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they say. I think uh, they say you do not, and under any circumstances, want to give an engineer an open-ended budget or the freedom to be able to guide design in that respect because it it definitely did fail. Yeah, too bad. That that was that set us back. You know, ten years right there. Well, I agree with the recession. I'm there was no hope in raising money for a while, and obviously you were coming on. I think uh, as you were exiting Wave House through the exit strategy you had, by the way, was that attempting uh, to keep and, and keep that, uh, I don't know, technology in your sort of IP uh, balance sheet and, and keep earning money off of it? Or what was the motivation to get rid of it? Or you did sell the Wave, the, the Flowrider tech, right? Yeah, no, no, there was a definite intent there. And that's because I had pretty much, developed that tech as far as uh, you know that I felt possible it was the intro tech to the whole world uh, you know so to speak of uh, you know what it's like to surf and being able to bring that uh, uh, you know inland areas so that that was my mission and and my goal was always to to do the surf pools but uh, at the time the market wasn't there and the tech wasn't there. Didn't really develop and wasn't capable of doing that until right about then, 
because then the computer horsepower got good enough and uh, price came down. So that's when I made the switch. So before that, we were doing, you know, I, all that stuff that Slater didn't know that I did that years and years and years ago. I, I basically spent probably a million bucks, developed it all, patented it all, and abandoned it because I knew it was a loser to begin with. <laughs> right. And you're, wait a minute, that, wait a minute, that Dodge pickup truck cost a million dollars? No, well, <laughs> I recognize everything. You guys don't know what goes in. No, no, no idea. I can't imagine. Yeah. But I do oh. remember that first uh, that first one you did back that was like late eighties eighty seven I think right and you used yeah. the Dodge. Chuck Chuck beer, man he's the guy he, he yeah was cool. yeah you guys use like yeah. a drive shaft off a Dodge pickup to yeah. like pull the the foil through the water yeah so oh, yeah all that we we understood and but the the limitations are obviously everyone sees now it's just economically how do you get the throughput you know you got to class a wave in terms of be able to control to be able to get the variability that's required that that everyone's going to want right it just wasn't there so that's why i pretty much abandoned that and that's when i sold once i figured out where to go and what to do that that's why i sold uh flow rider that makes sense. And, you know, the way things have migrated is, uh, is usually not the first to market. It sometimes can be in these new techs, but it's uh, it's it's the one that makes the most business sense. And what you're referring to is the lack of <coughs> quantity, really, and variety, in, 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 in fact, too, of waves that are offered by the foil. Um, it seems pretty monotonous. Um, you can change the floor, but changing the floor is a massive undertaking compared oh. to hitting a few keys on the keyboard to change your preset on how the caissons fire. Exactly. So, exactly. so you're, uh, you've matured the tech at your own pace. Uh, <laughs> didn't rush to market, but now you've got um, a widening of the pool and Palm Springs coming from what I remember. I don't want to go too fast through the timeline, but you, have used the work of these engineers that uh, and software designers. Who are your main uh, partners? Do you want to recognize, like for the for the record? Well, the guys. I mean, I got several engineers over in Europe, and and I've got engineers here um, in San Diego. Uh, those guys, though, they don't really want to be recognized. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of these deals where you, you got to recognize. You, you know understand it's also why i don't really talk about things too much you know you guys yeah. are the first one just because i like the low-key nature of what you're doing and i thought it was i think it's cool thanks so the the reason is because all that stuff is friction you know you don't need the friction until you deliver and it's just like you don't claim a wave until you make it you know <laughs> so the people Let's, who sold the investment for surf parks in 2006 would differ with that opinion. They would go, <laughs> we have the most amazing thing, you know, uh, you know, and hook, line and sinker, I, you know, me and a few others, that's for sure. Anyway, go ahead. No, you're, you're, it, it's a different approach, right? Yeah. So you just gotta, and I've, I've been fortuitous that I can kind of fund it myself. So, um, you know, it's just, one of those things, although I'm, my wife doesn't really like that. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
I can understand that. That I mean the uh, the process of of uh, developing intellectual property for the mass market to use and then licensing it is extremely tedious in in many ways. It's uh, there you have to deal with lawyers. There are um, so many soft costs involved in the setup of that and preparing whatever you're preparing to sort of license that tech that it's not even it gives most people a headache to think about but um at the end of that whole process could mean you know in in every town from salt lake city to charlotte you know you've got a pool that is uh as flexible and versatile and fun as any beach break or inlet in florida if not more so and what you're also you know providing to these people is what is what looks to be like a real pool setting as opposed to like caissons firing in a line along a wall where you've got to do an air in three seconds and you better figure out what you're going to do quick you know so i like the what from what i've seen the versatility of it can you explain to us you know how that uh, developed from uh, the old, you know, flow rider days to now? Yeah, I mean, it's a, let's say, iterative process, but to your point and the way you describe it, I mean, to the extent one surfs and you know what the, the objectives are, that that you're always in your mind, you, you have the, the, the vision and the goal and then how you put the pieces together is just a typical foundational level you just lay one you get that base program ready and then you need to go to the next you go to the next you go to the next and then over time you can create and create these you know panoply of opportunity that gets you what you want so that's pretty much kind of exactly how we do it. And, um, it, it, you know, to the extent that we keep buying, you know, bigger and bigger computer arrays to, matter of fact, I think I calculated, if, if you had to pay on Amazon or Microsoft, you know, all the clouds or, you know, uh, the different cloud networks out there, what we process in computer power every month you'd be paying forty thousand dollars a month oh, i mean that's that's the horsepower we use to do our stuff you know so it's it's not for the faint of heart and and with that said i mean i've had the the experience over the years to know you know how you translate from let's call it the digital world into the real world and what's the mechanisms for doing that? And so I can kind of go back and forth just because that's what I do. And so we've been able to, that's how you validate and just confirm. So what you saw, for example, in Palm Springs, we, we had modeled, you know, either in the computer or in tent scale or, you know, all these different iterations to be able to get us to that, to that ultimate thing. So similarly for all, all the other pools that were under, you know, under development as we speak, same thing. So Tom, I remember, uh, I, 
I was listening to an interview with you. I think it's a couple years old now, but um, you talked about the fact that at that time, your biggest obstacles were environmental. Um, and uh, I just wondered like through those processes and, and even up to today, is that still, still your biggest obstacle? And when you say environmental, do you mean like the surface you're digging into for the pool or the, the power consumption to run the pool or a little bit of both? I'd say a little bit of both. And let me, let me kind of, it's, it's still, that is still fundamental, you know, on top of mind. Uh, you, you have to have a vision of where things are going to be like 10, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And for me, power is not an issue. You know, energy is not an issue at all. But with that said, it is an issue now, right? Mm-hmm. So what and what we do is is we look we design right now for the future that future but simultaneously we're working and we develop a whole system of with microgrids which then allow you to control the different accesses of be it solar or the or off the grid itself with your local supply you know power supplier or if you're going to do, you know, other alternative energies like hydrogen. And we're we're actually doing that in a couple of our projects where actually I have five microgrid projects going right now where we, we, you know, in order to call it minimize your carbon footprint, you're, you're hooking up these alternative energies, but the reality is they're not there all the time. So how do you balance it out? And how do you allow the economics to then continue to be able to have the goal of, of still um, surfing, but with an environmental consciousness that we use these venues as, as almost like R&D facilities to be able to solve the bigger problem. So, so that's what, what I, in particular, I have a, two of my engineers, that's what they're dedicated to is, is, purely green environmental energy for surf pools in, in the short term and in, in how, we, how we're planning to, uh, we apply for all these grants and applications with, you know, with the government to really try to support and, and come up with new tech. Because that, that's the other thing we do, we create new tech all the time. So, I mean, to the extent I can incorporate like carbon in our concrete or allow us to, you know, use hydrogen and develop a, an entirely new type of engine, which we are, which is, you know, not like a Carnot engine, you know, here at 55% efficiency, you know, we're up to 90% efficiency. I mean, those are global game changers. And that's kind of the vision we have and what we're trying to accomplish using surf pools is kind of a, mm-hmm. let's call it a, a, what is our, business model that allows us to raise the capital to be able to fund these environmental projects that then we package with our deal. So that's what we're doing. Okay. And how about the water itself? Like the water source, is that ever an issue? Yeah. Yeah. A number of times the the water source is clearly an issue. I mean, we have some that actually take the, you know, they, they, uh, they have their own, uh, you know, sources of water, um, 
we have one down in Mexico where they use seawater and stuff like that. But of course, you know, there's always some, there's always some impact somewhere. Yeah. So that's why we're in particular, we like hydrogen just because the byproduct is water. And, and then, you know, if you import your hydrogen from a, call it a desert environment, and you can, and that's one of the things we're looking at doing, then you're actually creating water for the local environment. So um, that, that's definitely one of our agenda items. That's great. I, uh, I'm, I'm also wondering, you know, how many projects do you have? You obviously aren't talking about uh, projects that are in process into, you know, when you're raising money and it's obviously not you on point, they're raising money. You're probably dealing with investor groups that are saying, Hey, we like your tech the best, uh, the package that comes with it, um, the price point, whatever it may be. Uh, we're going to go out and raise money based on your tech and our real estate plan in our return of investment. And so you're getting calls. You probably have a business development guy that's handling those calls every week. And uh, I know, you know, we've got three or four operating pools right now in the U S probably more. And I just don't know about them, but the ones that are to be considered serious surf pools, you know, number maybe on my hand. And, uh, and so I would imagine that the interest is there with the economy booming the way it is for much more development down the road in the five to 10 year window. Like you said, we were set back 10 years with the recession probably and the, and the bad decision-making by surf parks um, to try to stick with that. Anyway, the, the high, the idea is I want a surf park in my backyard uh, for when the waves aren't very good. How long is that going to be before uh, you see surf parks all around the U.S.? I think 2023, you're going to see probably one, I think, one, two. I personally know of, of three and maybe, let's see, uh, three to four that will be going for sure. And I'm sure there'll be more. Is that with your tech? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and then if you assume Bruce over at American Wave Machines team is going to have the similar amount of pools, I know they have an investment group here in Central Florida looking at New Smyrna Beach as a possibility, yeah. and so we're you know we're excited for that. I I was kind of hoping I would see a uh, a Tom you know a Wave Lock or Surf Lock pool actually uh, coming closer to Central Florida then uh you know we're we're working on it we got a couple actually so it's it's looking good okay that's good yeah. to hear unreal unreal um yeah i, I don't think we're going to get uh, total uh information unless there's a press release by an investment group is there an investment group other than palm springs that has released anything publicly that i missed in the last month or so no. okay no i didn't think so all right so <clears throat> This is all great news. We've got, we, everybody's caught up on Tom Lachtefeld, I guess. What was the title of that article, John, we were reading? It was it like the Godfather of Wave Pools or something like that. You've got that title now. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Credit where credit where credit's due. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Uh, you, you do deserve a lot of credit for taking on this task for all of us, mid, you know, Midlanders or uh, 
you know, my, my relatives come from South Dakota. They have no idea how fun surfing can be. And yeah. honestly, it, it's, it's a fun time to ride a wave. Yeah. And it's even more fun in the ocean, I would argue. But the, the, the obvious kind of elephant in the room is that the Slater pools off the tour for a reason is because it's kind of boring to watch the same wave over and over again. Yeah. And we think um, wave pools can be a venue for competition, of course, but that may not be the end all goal. I don't think it is for anybody, really. But what you do, as opposed to maybe, I think the, you know, the American wave machines pools do a fair job of it. But what you do is, and from what I can see, is you offer the most versatile wave available from takeoff to finish uh, that will be available for folks out there, which I think is the real game changer. And I've been waiting for it. So I have one last confession to make. The Surfline asked me to write an article about the Wave Park Summit uh all right cool four years ago right so i go to i go to the surf park summit it was the the second one not the first one and i love marcus he's great but i I wrote this article i get i i sent it into him my conclusion was more of an essay rather than a fact-based journalism reporting kind of thing in my quote essay or whatever they were gonna they paid me to kill because they killed it (laughs) was that the surflock technology was far superior to anything I had seen out there, especially the foils and that the foils weren't going to manifest. I think I wrote it in 2016 or 17, something like that. So I just want everybody to know that I was fucking right. And <laughs> even though they killed my article, I, uh, I got it right. And I, at least I hope it's right, Tom, like you said, we don't want to go tooting our, our uh, horn before it but i i'm so proud of what you've done because i know how hard it can be i was i've seen what what's gone into it um i love the idea of surf parks i know there's purists out there don't and uh thank you for doing what you do now do you have any good surf stories for us uh from your life from your experiences that you'd like to share anything actually i want i want to i want to jump in there too and i want to say if if you can if it's not too much on the spot i'd like the, the contrast between your your best surf story from the ocean and your best surf story from a park because right, i know you grew, i know you grew up in in la jolla area and surfing some really good waves around there i lived in encinitas for like six years so i i know that zone well and there's some amazing stuff there so yeah i'm just curious to see what what that difference is like all right just w- one comment though back to surf Go. parks and kind of what i see as a you know, I think for everyone who will really be aspirational is going to be that as a venue for progression, you know, because I really think that if you are given that opportunity to practice, practice, practice on a given wave, and you really use that as a vehicle to up your game, I think that's going to be very satisfying to, uh, you know, a lot of people out there and I see, and, and I'm clearly, that, that's one of my objectives is it, when we progress, when we continue our, you know, surf lock, our development, to build that into the DNA of, of these parks and facilitating people's progression. Uh, and that's why I'm writing a lot of software and doing a lot of stuff to, to help that because I think it's so powerful of a, 
vehicle for kids and you know just especially kids that can't they they express themselves through their their physicality rather than through words mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so anyway i just wanted to mention that well, I love that. And if you don't have the money to go to Selena Cruz to test out a pair of fins between yeah. you know, one pair of fins and another pair of fins, you can go down the street and do it in the surf lock pool. Um, a lot of people I know that surf would never even be able to feel the difference between one fin and another, um, you know, inspiring people, especially. And when you actually get a chance to test out a, some new equipment and be able to have that repetition, that's going to be valuable for a lot of people from, you know, average surfers to, uh, for certain, you know, pros. All right. All right well, that's so great. Yeah. Tell John, us to get stories. back to your questions. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Let me give you the surf pool story first. All right. Okay. So this is, uh, I think what year was that? This is back in 1983, right? Okay. So I had, partnered with a gentleman named Brian Morris and we were developing the first water park in California. Okay. And the only other water park at the time was in Orlando. It was, it was, uh, well, two, there was wet and wild. Right. Yep. And the other was Disney's, uh, the Typhoon Lagoon. No, Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah. That wasn't here yet. No. It was the other one, River Country, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. River Country. Okay, so, you know, I come, we we build Raging Waters, and we have this white pool. And so here I get all, you know, I go, oh, epic. I'm going to go surf the white pool. <laughs> so, I, you know, I bring up, you know, my bonzer. I, I had this insane bonzer at the time you know because my brother was on the bonzer surf team oh cool and and, uh get up to the wave pool in san dimas and it's at a sand bottom and you know here you know we turn on the wave machines and i try to catch the breaking waves pure garbage (laughs) i was so disappointed and but on the flip side that was the catalyst that was the start of it all because mm. I was so disappointed. I go, these guys don't really know what they're missing. Mm. You know? So that was kind of my formative start, you know. That's great. Back when and what I did is I went on and developed, you know, Raging Waters in LA. I did San Jose, I did Salt Lake, and then I sold it all out in eighty seven and then uh, I think it was the Paramount at the time. And then I I I didn't work for three years. I, that's when I invented the flow ride because oh, okay. I wanted to create. I, I I did it as a process of deductive reasoning, you know, where I knew just because I knew water parks and I developed them, I knew where the market was because you got to have a market to begin with. And surf pools at that time, no way you can sure. just kind of, you know, fifteen million. You know, yeah. the entire park was like four or five million, right? Yeah. So the market wasn't there and the tech wasn't there. So what I did is I thought through and said, well, what can I develop that'll actually work? That could be a market short term until we get the tech in the market there. And that's where I kind of thought through, okay, you got a capital cost, you got operating costs, you got safety, you got physical footprint size, you know, you got you got marketing, you get you put all this stuff together 
And it was just kind of through that deductive reasoning that I thought through and said, you know, what does a surfer really need? You only need a few top inches of water. <laughs> so that's how Flowrider got started. Oh, that's and, awesome. You know, from there, you know, for the next 20 years, you know, I sold a couple of hundred of those units and, you know, and then I sold it all out to, then I knew, you know, I think it was 2012, you know, I figured out, okay, computers here, uh, the tech's here, the market's here, let's go, you know, and that's when I sold it out and just dedicated for the whole next generation of where we're at now. So nice. it takes a long time. I kid you not. Man. Well, I think it's going to happen fast. <laughs> somewhere in that uh, time frame, Rick Kane was blowing up lips in Arizona. <laughs> I don't know what park that was, but did you design that one? Actually, no, that, okay. that was the uh, Revlon park. Oh, okay. That was a guy named Dexter. And um, I think it was John Dexter, but he, what the way it worked is they had a big tank and they'd pump the water up and then they had a series of gate valves and then they opened the gate valves, but he he didn't really understand surfing waves or anything like that. <laughs> so it ended up being a big chunk of white water, you know, it's yeah. just garbage. Yeah. I could actually convert that into a good surf pole right now. I could convert okay. it. And I could convert Typhoon Lagoon. Matter of fact, I met with the guys in Disney. And I told the guys, hey man, I could I could really improve your pool. So you could do surfing, you know, and make a lot be a lot better. And... Ah. Well, they're using hydraulics, right? No, it's uh they let's see, I would say they used hydraulics, yes, because they pump the water. Both of those guys pump the water yeah mm, okay all right and then uh surf locks uh caisson version is more of a vacuum pneumatic sort of yeah, that works together right yeah yeah we're we're pneumatic exactly okay. so nice. and the and reason for, here is no no mechanical elements touch the water you know it's like if you've ever owned a boat yeah yeah you know, for, no for the reader or for the reader for the listener that means uh the caissons are powered by pressure uh and that means bringing water in pushing water out and you know with air and then obviously as the water's rushing back into the caisson you grab it and pull it back with air at the same time and then ready to hit it and punch it again with the all of its computer driven and, and timed perfectly to you know for your pleasure exactly you nice. the nail on the head Okay. Now, what about the ocean? Let's hear that ocean story. Okay, you ready for the ocean? Yeah. Okay, this one, I was in Guam. Ooh. I surfed in a place called Boat Pass. This was, oh, what year was that? Probably 96 or something like that. So I was out for a few hours, you know, and then I paddled back. You got to paddle back through the boat path. Okay. So, and I'm tired, you know, and then. All of a sudden, boom! My leg, they <laughs> out, of, out of the depths comes this big shark, you know, got my leg. And then you don't, you never know. You, you, you know, it's it's kind of funny because there's no pain, nothing. You, you you don't feel any pain at all. Yeah, not immediately. Yeah. Yeah, not immediately. You're like in shock, right? Yeah. So here I'm paddling, but 
it's like you're in a dream. You're, you're like in molasses, you know, you're paddling <laughs> as fast as you can. And, and it just, you couldn't paddle fast. You, you just couldn't paddle fast. So anyway, I get to get to the shoreline. Luckily, this guy was there and he helped me out. And that took me to the hospital. I had to get 35 stitches. So that was kind of my... That's yeah, that's legit. That that's good, and and that that'll be perfect for our listeners. We're we're uh, officially we're the shark bite capital of the world. <laughs> Fortunately, most of ours require three to five stitches instead of thirty five stitches. But um, yeah, we do yeah, seem to have a lot of them. Um, but how how much uh, how much ocean time are you logging still these days um, oh. versus like in a pool? Yeah, no, I I live right by the beach, so I. I get to go out pretty much, you know, I either go surfing or go to the gym, just depending if it's crappy, you know, yeah. you know then I'll go to the gym just to make sure I stay in tune. Cause if you don't, you know, at my age, I'm almost, but I'm 69 now. Wow. You know, if you don't, if you don't stay in tune. Sure. You know, oh man. One, one day you lose it so fast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Where's your home break? Uh, right now the shores. I live, I used to live, you know, like for 26 years, I lived at Winnessy and, you know, I'd surf off Big Rock, Little Point, yeah. you know, horseshoes, all, all the reef breaks. And then now um, we moved over to the shores and I'm, uh, I'm going down, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do, all I do now is a longboard, you know, and I mean, because the, the thing is, that's what the shores I search scripts, but it's what it's yeah. what the place is, man. It's nothing else. Yeah. And you know, for me, I love it. I just I love the slide. I you know, yeah, I, it's my life. So I'm good. I'm happy. Oh, that's great to hear. Good deal. Yeah, and I mean, especially here in Florida. I mean, yeah, I'm familiar with that. We have to ride everything because you know we have a lot of days that are you know they might only be knee thigh high, but but it's perfect and it's perfect for a longboard. Yeah. And unless you're seven years old, you can't ride a shortboard. You know, <laughs> once you hit teens and twenties, it's just not possible. So yeah, the you know, the the best thing that ever I because I grew up, you know, full shortboarding all the time. And the, the best thing that ever happened to me, I went to college in Santa Barbara and uh I met Josh Farborough and and Josh Farborough, you know, shoved me onto a longboard at you know waist high rincon and opened up a whole nother world yeah. of riding waves. And yeah, that that was phenomenal. And um yeah so we're we're big proponents of right ride everything <laughs> yeah ride everything <laughs> just ride waves it doesn't really just matter what else you know? just ride waves yeah that's it all right well i can't uh thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with us this afternoon we'll uh you know be happy to share this with our fans and uh just for john and i i can say from you know, from us, thank you very much. And we appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you in Florida. Hopefully it's in the water, but even if it's IAPA, you know, we'll uh, buy your beer. All right, guys. Hey, and I'll, I'll definitely keep you apprised of what we do in Florida. There's, uh, there's definitely stuff happening and, and, but like anything, these things take time. So if I was to say timing wise, realistically, when in terms of public opening, probably, Two years would be the soonest, more likely okay. three, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. But it'll happen. I guarantee you, guarantee it's going to happen. All right. That's that's the pool I'm looking forward to. Thanks again, Absolutely. Tom. Yeah, right. I just got to throw I just got to throw in there real quick. When you build that pool in Florida, just have a place where we can put a movie screen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Rocco's, 
That goes okay. hand in hand. <laughs> okay, if, if, if I get involved in, in it and it's what I think the way it'll go down, I'm guarantee you, you got your screen. All right. Beautiful. That'd be great, man. Thank right. you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tom. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk yeah. soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. What an enjoyable chat with Tom, huh? Yeah, he's obviously very smart. He, uh, For those of you who couldn't see him, he's got the uh, Steve Jobs faux collar on with, uh, yeah, I mean, he looks basically like Steve Jobs away machines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were so stoked to chat with him and can't wait to see what uh, what he produces next. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll curry some favor with him and we'll get to ride one of those waves. You think that had anything to do with us having him on the podcast? I mean, I'd like to think that our giant market of listeners is gonna <laughs> is gonna sway him into putting us at the front of the line. I think on the podcast or before, he literally said the reason why he agreed to do this is because no one would hear it. <laughs> exactly, and we said, "Uh, uh-uh, seven people will hear it." <laughs> yeah, he had no problem coming on our podcast. Yeah, we're like, "Don't you don't normally do these things, do you?" He's like, "Yeah," and I'm not real worried about this one. <laughs> Uh, no, we were stoked to have him, and uh, what an interesting guy, and um, man, just a wealth of knowledge. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and I uh, just want to take a minute and say thanks to our sponsors. Um, Florida Surf Film Festival, as always, is brought to you by Monster Energy, um, along with Rourke Apparel, Globe Footwear, uh, Yeti Coolers, um, Advent Health, and then we have a new sponsor, Kevin. Yeah, Surf Yogis came on board with uh, some product to share with us, and they are, I don't know, the the natural mud sort of, uh, I don't know, texture of it, which is fully biological. I mean, it's like all natural, right? Yeah, you know yeah, it's, it's zinc. Um, the number one ingredient is zinc, um, so you get, you're getting sunblock through occlusion, so it's, it literally covers your skin yeah. so that the sun doesn't and hit your skin. it doesn't really come off like normal zinc. It's, nah. it's thicker. It's got – you really need a wipe to get it off or a good paper towel. And that's what I like about it. And, I, I mean, I, you can sweat right through it. It has no problem with that. It's absolutely the best sunscreen for anybody who spends hours on end outside, whether it be golfing or surfing or whatever. But it is actually the best sunscreen I've ever used. Yeah, we, we use it in Indo a bunch, and uh, you put it on in the morning, it's still on at night, and um, all natural. I think there's only six ingredients, and they're all food grade, so if you get real hungry, you could eat it, too. Yeah, so. that's right, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, let's take a quick minute to thank Chris Miroshiro for flying out, and Tori Meister for flying out for the last screening we did on August 28th. It was a huge success, I actually was uh, pleasantly surprised to see the responsible social distancing going on, everything. We had a great event, and uh, Chris did some artwork for you, didn't he? He did. I, I let him borrow a board. Here, this is a little PSA. Don't ever let Chris Miyashiro borrow your board because he'll paint a masterpiece on it, and you'll never want to wax it again. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, what a great time, and thanks to, for Chris, and thanks for you guys for listening. We'll uh, we'll say goodbye now, and uh, until the next time. Cheers.